You're listening to The Contrary Beekeeper Show. I'm Dan. I'm Greg. And I'm James. Join us as we journey into beekeeping while we learn to be the change, one hive at a time. You have her up, Jim. Yep, go ahead. Well, welcome back, everybody. Oh, we're going with welcome now. <laughs> <laughs> we, we're so far out from uh, uh, a podcast episode, we forget how to open up a podcast episode, don't we? I guess that's what happens when we fade out. So, well, so live from Lebanon, Tennessee. Live from Lebanon? What in tarnation are we doing in Lebanon, Tennessee? Five Life 2021? You know what year it is. I'm proud of you, Dan. Yeah. Well, we came down here to the Hive Life convention uh, together as the Contrary Beekeeper Show. And of course, when you have, you know, three guys coming down to the same convention, uh, I think we all have a little bit different of a prime objective, per se, on, on what we're looking forward to or what we're looking uh, to maybe gain from the uh, convention. And, you know, my, my mind is always just going a million uh, places at once and, uh we we make it. We finally make it here to the hotel. We drove down what seven, probably seven hours with a couple fuel stops. Yeah. Oh, a lot of uh, P stops for you, my friend. You know, I'm like somebody's I feel like a, getting old. Well, I feel like I'm a three year old. I'm so busy at the farm before we got here that I've been doing nothing but literally just drinking coffee. And she's been on me. You got to drink some water. You got to drink some water. And you know, I thought there was plenty of water and coffee. And so now I'm trying to play catch up on getting rehydrated, and I feel like I'm, I've got to take a whiz every 20 minutes. Yeah. It's been 40 minutes, so I think it's working. So far. <laughs> we'll have to see. So we drive down, you know, nothing uh, really too eventful. No, nothing Not really. We're all crammed in Black Betty. Yeah. Nice, nice ride down. Had some uh, good conversation in there, and we uh, get to the hotel, we get checked in. And then uh, we go get a bite to eat. Drove up and down the strip, what, four times trying to decide where to eat? Right. Uh, You know, I think we're all from small towns, and this is not really a small town. It's definitely a little bit bigger, but the uh, at least the the offerings right where we're at there, we, I mean, there's some like main, you know, main, main go type stuff. Yeah. But, uh, but we found a local Chinese restaurant. We found a really nice local, um, local, Chinese restaurant, very authentic. Yeah, I mean it's probably. Uh, well, do you anyone remember the name of that place? I think it was called Panda Express. <laughs> yes, that's what it is. Real good. Got a bite to eat and brought it back to the hotel here, and then kind of had a little powwow to get on the same page on what we uh, what we want to accomplish with the uh, not only the the podcast, but what we uh, mentally are looking to gain from uh, coming down here and it. It's you know kind of a lesson in a team effort to where if we're not all heading in the same direction, we're uh, all going to be pulling each other you from got our a own. Catchphrase for one of this, one of these things: uh, check yourself before you wreck yourself. Yeah, totally. I think more importantly than just wrecking myself, you know, it's. Uh, I think we all had a busy few weeks getting up to this point. Us, uh, this point, and I think we were all. Um, it was a push to get enough stuff um, short up on the home front so we could take a few days off and, yeah. and come down here. Um, you know, I feel like I did maybe a poor job of communicating with you guys maybe 
uh, my intentions and, and what I was uh, kind of looking to accomplish. And, you know, we, we, uh, we get our dinner and we're, you know, trying to put pen to paper here and just try to map out a little bit of, uh, you know, what we want to kind of st- uh, do with the show while we're here. And, um, you know, we all had s- some different ideas and I think that's good to be able to uh, recognize that and, and then put together a plan that we're all on the same page. So, you know, I think we feel pretty good about um, just, you know, kind of taking it day by day here and uh, trying to just absorb as much as we can, meet some folks and uh, kind of share our experience here with uh, the folks listening to the podcast. So what is the Hive Life 2021 conference? Well, it's a beekeepers convention, uh, I think put on by Cayman Reynolds. Uh, and there's a, 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 some incredible beekeepers here. Uh, on the, we have, so what it is is we have two days of, uh, of learning opportunities. Uh, you've got guys like Cayman Reynolds, uh, Bob Benny, Randy Oliver, Kent Williams, Ian Stepler. And they're all talking about some really incredible topics uh, splitting colonies, hive management, uh, kind of, uh, I would say, more geared t- to larger operations, less backyardy, and more. So, more of like sideliners, I think, sideliners that are looking to go commercial, um, I think would speak to. And then also guys that are on the commercial scale on uh, kind of tuning up their, their operations. I think uh, no matter what experience, uh, or skill set you are with beekeeping, there's always um, something to learn. Um, but if you're a beginning beekeeper, you're probably um, not going to get a whole lot out of uh, super, super advanced stuff. And I think there's a nice gap here where I feel like there's a lot that anyone can learn. Now, this just piqued my interest. If you don't get to see Randy Oliver speak tomorrow, when can you see him speak again? Well, the Utah Beekeepers Association uh, are having their convention February nineteenth and twentieth, and they have some also have some fantastic speakers, including that's, that's what I heard. There's some Randy uh, Oliver, special people there. Tom Seeley, uh, Ian Stepler, he'll be here yep. at the Hive Convention. He'll also be there. Uh, D.W. Schoenthal, I can't. I don't know how to pronounce this guy's name here. It's the it's the one at the very 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 bottom. You got to scroll all the way down. all the way down and then hit like page four. Show more. Yeah, and then you click down at the very very end of there. Uh, well, we'll just say it. Uh, super uh, proud and excited that somehow my name got thrown in the hat there, and uh, I'll be presenting along with all these guys, uh, kind of sharing uh, what we're doing here at, at Nature's Image Farm. So yeah, that'll be. Uh, those are some really exciting. Looking pretty forward huge to that. names to be up against. Big, big names. Uh, a lot of fantastic beekeepers that really have done a lot. Um, you realize this is like opening up for the Beatles. It's like opening up for the Beatles. Yeah, with an air guitar. It should be. <laughs> <laughs> it should be pretty incredible. No, but um, I, that, I think there's you know when it comes to like conventions and learning opportunities, you know right now you know I, uh, a lot of them are going uh, the Zoom route, and I think that's you know you have to do what you have to do. I think Ian Stepler is joining this com or joining this convention from uh, remote Canada. Canada. Yeah. Um, but I, I think you know what I what I really appreciate is that Cayman put uh, this 
conference together um, where beekeepers, uh, we can get together, we can meet, um, we can uh, we can network, and we can um, hopefully all move our craft a little bit further forward. Yep, advance the art. Jimbo, are there any topics that you're looking forward to uh, kind of getting a better understanding on? Yeah, the, you know, actually, the, I'm really interested in the first topic of the day is uh, coffee and donuts. How can you argue with coffee and donuts? A donut buffet? I mean, what what beekeeper? Oh, which reminds me, uh, while we're there, I owe a certain special YouTube beekeeper a donut. He couldn't make the conference, and I I told Jason over at JCB's that I would bring him a donut back. Now I wonder what would his favorite donut be. You know how stale that's going to be. <laughs> How about how about a gift card to Dunkin' Donuts where he picks his own donut and maybe throw ninety three cents in there for his own coffee? You know that's that is a nice gesture, They're but would nice. it be the same as a delicious like plain donut that we wrap in a nice napkin that's wonderfully preserved? That's that it's just full of Tennessee. I'd prefer the gift card and a fresh fresh donut. Well, maybe we'll just have to do that. So, then. like in I the back so. of your wife's car, you ever find the candy that your kids drop between the seats? You ever pick it up and eat that candy? Me, like, man, that was delicious. It's like you know me, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> Waste not, want not. <laughs> Any topics, uh, Dan, that you're interested in really getting a, a better understanding on? Uh, actually, there's quite a quite a bit. Uh, one of the big ones I really want to try to focus more on since I failed horribly last year is hive management and how to how to figure out how to manage more hives. So equalizing them more regularly and building them up to get a larger honey crop with the same number of hives. I think last year what held me back a lot was the fact that. I was still getting into this. Wasn't too sure about what I was doing. So I definitely mismanaged quite a bit. And the swarm bug started. And that whole time I was just chasing them constantly. Wanting to have the urge to swarm. Well, it sounds like there's a good uh, good topic there then for, for you. Is uh, swarm control and honey production. That's Kent it. William, yeah, I think that one will be uh-huh. right up your alley there. I'm always looking forward to uh, uh, Randy Oliver's latest research on uh, Varroa mites. Yeah, it seems to be uh, a hot-button topic. You ever read the American Bee Journal? or I think that's what it was in, the American Bee Journal. I'm now a subscriber to the American Bee Journal, in case you're wondering. Oh. It, actually, I'm both of them. I can't remember which one. But he actually had a multi-part article about how, uh, and I've also heard him speak to it too on another show, about how different potencies of isoprol alcohol will affect the mite drop. So, and it's, I'm not too... The mite fa- drop in an alcohol wash. Yes, an alcohol wash. I'm not too familiar with it. I've glanced through the article a little bit. And I got my subscription on part three, so obviously I haven't seen one and two. But I'm quite interested to see if this is what he'll be presenting because it seems pretty interesting in how your potency of alcohol and other substitutes you can use 
since during all this, rubbing alcohol is kind of hard to get your hands on some places. Let's see if there's any correlation between accuracy and your mite drops. I would imagine mites are going to come up quite a bit in this in this uh, Why? convention over the next uh, couple days. There, I think you've got, uh, of course, Randall Oliver is going to be talking a lot about that, I think. Uh, Kent Williams is going to be talking about coming back from hive losses. Uh, Cayman Reynolds is going to be talking about great queens, dead mites, good nutrition. Bob Benny is going to be talking about uh, kind of managing your queens, splitting colonies. Um, I think what I'm looking most forward to uh, is the end of the day roundtables. Because uh, I think, uh, I mean, I obviously super appreciate uh, the fellows putting their uh, their talks together and, and, and having that to, to, to go from. But I think uh, there's a lot of gems and gold found uh, with roundtable discussions um, that are kind of uh, just uh, impromptu. Uh, oh, yeah, because now it's scripted. It's mostly off the cuff. And, yeah, and, and it's, it, yeah. it also, you know, I think gives them opportunities to break away from kind of where their mindset has been and, you know, preparing for the convention and things like that. Uh, you know, I like the, the questions and answers that are more off the cuff, I think, um, opens up a part of your mind that, uh, you know, has experience and feedback um, that's, I think, really important and, and invaluable for, uh, I think, all skill sets um, and and talent levels with when it comes to beekeeping. So that'll be so tomorrow will be fun to, to uh, you know, get on site and, uh, you know, network and meet with folks and. Um, you know, maybe we'll get lucky and, and be able to sit down with a, a couple folks and uh, learn more about their beekeeping. Um, did you have Jimbo any? Uh, do you have any? I think what we it's fun is to you know we might all have a um, kind of a perceived idea of what this is going to be or what it might look like, and then sometimes what it actually is. Um, can be different, and there's, I think, a lot of takeaways uh, from that, too. Going into this, do you, would you have any expectations or idea of what this might be that we're uh, going to be seeing the next couple of days? So, you know, for me, you know, I, I've, I'm, I've, I kind of have this preconceived notion of what a uh, conference is for myself, is that, you know, I go to photography conferences, you know, quite often, and so I, I, I know how things are broken up into different tracks, uh and then you have you know you have times with, with vendors who will be there, and you can talk with them about the latest and greatest products that are coming out. And you know that's you know, and you usually get a chance to see everything. And uh, you know, so that's the kind of preconceived notion I have in my head uh, of how it is. So I'm very curious to. This is my first time at a B conference, uh, so I'm really curious to see how it's actually going to really play out for yeah. you know. For, you know, for beekeepings, this is a different world completely. Right. Uh, you know, I think at the end of the day, you still have, you know, you have your your personalities in the industry that you're going to be learning from, which is going to be a great learning experience regardless. Uh, you know, and you were still, and I know we're still going to have the opportunity to talk to, I know Dayton's going to be there. Uh, who else, you know, Greg? Uh, like Man Lake. Yeah, Man Lake. Yeah, all the big players, it seems like. Yeah, you know, they're all going to be, you know, be there, you know, uh, to, to talk to and so that that'll, that'll be definitely interesting to see yeah just how they have things set up uh you know and you know that's kind of where i'm at with all of that dan what are your um have any preconceived ideas of what uh this conference might be all about nope 
trying to stay pretty open-minded about what what's going to show been to a few other con or been to another b conference and it was all right but this seems to be geared more towards the alley that i'm looking at so we'll see what comes of it i think what i'm uh maybe imagining looking at the schedule is it's uh very contrary to typical conventions uh and i think that's kind of what sparked a little bit of interest here is typically when you go to a convention you'll have uh you know three or four rooms going at once and yeah. you get to you have to pick one or you have to kind of choose which one you want to go see and um right and that's kind of what i meant by tracks yeah you know? and sometimes yeah. you lose you pick the one that sounded good and it ends up being a turd and mm-hmm. the one that was gold was uh, a conversation that happened out of a question or something and oh did you hear uh, so I think what I appreciated what uh, what came in Reynolds did, but this one is um, it's there. That's not how this one is. There's the one conversation going uh, in the room at a time, and I think yeah. that's going to be an incredible opportunity to be able to relax a little bit. Uh, as far as feeling like you have to run from room to room to room, you can kind of just uh, in my mind, I'm, it's looking like you can just uh, be present uh, in the moment and. Uh, just, and there's like a half hour between the speakers too, so there's time to meet and greet, mingle, get out, yeah, hang out with other talk beekeepers. about what you heard, meet, you know. I think so. I think I know that's completely. You know, a lot of you know conference conventions, you get like what ten, fifteen minutes to even. You don't you hardly have time to take a whiz and get to the next the it, next room. Yeah, and, and by the time you get there, it's already packed, and you're yeah. standing room only. You know, and in all of our other uh, trades outside of beekeeping, we've all been to a lot of a lot of conferences, uh, and. The conferences themselves are fantastic learning opportunities, but I think it's all the little in between time yeah. that I think is really where uh, where the true value is in these kind of things. And it looks like Cayman's done a really nice job of leaving enough time in between these to where uh, not only can you go take a whiz and get a cup of coffee, but um, you can have that little conversation with that person that you just met, um, or ask some uh, follow up questions or. Um, it seems like yeah, they've done a fantastic job already yeah. of making sure that we all get uh, our money's worth. We all usually have, um, most of us have a burning question uh, in the back of our mind, and that could be based on where uh, our beekeeping season kind of left off, um, where we maybe see room for improvement, or maybe there's just a, a fiery question um, that we, we are uh, kind of asking Jimbo, do you have any, is there is any fiery questions or any hot button topics um, that, that you have that you're looking forward to uh, maybe finding an answer to? I'm just, I'm looking for the aha moment of right. that's what I've been missing. You know, that's what I haven't thought of. Right. You know, maybe lead me into a different direction. It's not really a single question that I'm looking to answer. Just, how to improve the efficiency of working through my yards and how to improve the efficiency of my bees in the yard. So that way I'm not burning time trying to deal with hives constantly wanting to swarm or just along those lines pretty much. Yeah. What are you thinking? I've got a couple. um, There's always a couple different wheels turning in my mind uh, as I work on developing, I think, any enterprise on, on, on the farm with uh, the bee yard being very small scale, 
uh, and raising queens and nukes and uh, you know delivering packages. You know, I'm always um, interested in learning from folks that are not only financially successful but have are and have done that for uh, many years in a row. They're doing something right uh, to be financially sustainable enough to keep performing their their craft. And I think I'm I'm you know I think most interested um, in learning you know some of the things that worked well or were um, not only helped maybe save them a little bit of time, um, but sometimes you have thing certain things or aspects that are force multipliers on a farm, whether that's a, uh, a tractor or a piece of equipment or something that uh, exponentially um, increases the return. Uh, and so I, I think there's all, there's, there's going to be a lot to learn from uh, these folks that are running, you know, thousands of hives that uh, they're doing something right and have done it right for long enough to where it's a successful and sustainable business. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to just uh, kind of picking up uh, on some of maybe some hard lessons learned that they've had to, you know, keep moving the needle in a positive direction. Now, just out of your curiosity, because you were there, Gregory, one of the speakers, Ian, we have spoke about before on the show. Okay. Do you remember when? Was it with Mark Smith? Yeah, it was with Mark Smith. What was it? I don't remember. You'll have to go back to episode 11. Episode 11 of the Contrary Beekeeper Show. I think that's one of the people that Mark Smith follows, too. Chemical Free with Mark Smith. Yep. Check it out and see how Ian Stepler has been woven through our fabric of time. That's pretty deep. <laughs> you got a good memory. No, I don't. Oh. <laughs> what were we saying? Huh? <laughs> Well, uh, it's getting late. I reckon we probably ought to get a little bit of sleep and uh, get up in the morning and get some breakfast and get our brains tuned up and receptive to, uh, I guarantee there's going to be several kind of mind-blowing opportunities. So we're looking forward to that. I don't think Dan eats breakfast. I do eat breakfast. You do? Yep. I'm an apple today. Uh, Sauerkraut and beef jerky all day long. It's all this man eats. If you'd be, if anybody really wants to treat Dan, get him, send him some, uh, get on Amazon and send him some sauerkraut, some Oberto beef jerky, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and a case of cucumber Gatorade. And you can find all my information on naturesimagefarm.com. Oh, look at you. (laughs) I happen to like all three of those things. (laughs) This is a win win. We'll see you guys on the next episode where we dig in. To day one of the Hive Life Convention. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Peace out, everybody. Tip your driver. Be kind. Please rewind. (laughs) You're listening to the Contrary Beekeeper Show. Contrary Beekeeper Show. Well, welcome back to the show, guys. It's another episode of the Chick fil A podcast. I want some Chick-fil-A. I like to have an Oreo milkshake from Chick-fil-A. I've never had Chick-fil-A milkshake. On a scale of 1 to 10, Oreo milkshake from Chick-fil-A. Here. But-
Uh, how, you mean from 1 to 10? One yeah, to how ten. good is it? But an audio milkshake? Yeah. Yeah. I would probably say 9. Not, see, nine. I like this guy. And let, let's, let's guess what's in the bag. Wait, have you ever had Dairy Queen? Uh, no, I don't like Dairy Queen. Okay, let's so, see. So, Chick Fil A beats Dairy Queen? We're gonna play. We're recording a podcast live here at our uh, hotel room, uh, in our uh, lobby. Lobby, yeah. <laughs> and we're gonna play. Guess what's in this guy's bag? He walked in with a with a bag of Chick Fil A that smells delicious. So we're There's gonna we're gonna try to guess Correction, what's in two there. Bags. Two bags. You wanna go big bag or oh, little bag? Oh shoot, he's hungry. Uh, here, hold on, hold up the little bag. Let's see. Oh, oh, just a bag of sauce. He, he ruined it. Okay, I like what's it. in the first okay, bag? Full bag of sauce. Okay, I'm there. gonna go with a. Uh, Chicken sandwich with bacon and waffle fries. No, no, say it yet. No, okay, I'm going to go with some peanut oil fried chicken nuggets. Okay. I think I'm going to go with a number one, which is a Chick fil A sandwich a and Chick-fil-A waffle fries. Sandwich. Tra- uh, Tracy Scott, from a, he's here on the. You have a guess? Uh, I want to say he has a. Chick-fil-A, the spicy Chick-fil-A sandwich and waffle fries. The spicy. Oh, oh, he got it. Oh, look at that. spicy do like? So he said, yeah. Our special podcast guest just nailed it right out of the park. Damn. Wow. I thought I had it with the nuggets. Well, thanks for us playing. What's uh, in your yeah. bag? I had a fries. You got me the fries. You got fri- waffle fries? Yeah, the waffle fries. So I'm fries. a runner-up. You know what they say, though? That's first loser. If you're not first, you're last. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I'm not surprised that uh, Dino Nugget Dan went with the Nuggets. Says the if Chick Fil A actually had dinosaur dinosaur shaped chicken nuggets, would you ever eat anywhere else? So the last time you had a McRib in your face, how many of them did you eat? <laughs> Which time? <laughs> the last time on the road. Well, a man's got to do what he has to do sometimes. And I, You're beating around the bush I had quite a, a bit. And so I got had two McRibs. And then you got well, back on the road. You want to tell my story? You want me to tell? Yeah, who's telling the story, Dan? Continue. And I think it was it was something about how the onions and pickles just seemed to be just be paired perfectly with that tangy McRib sauce and the very high quality, delicious pork cutlet or pork presslet, whatever you'd like to call it. <laughs> two just wasn't. I, I pulled out of there. Had a just you know no fries. I'm on a diet, so I just had two McRibs and a cup of coffee. And I pulled out after I ate the both sandwiches, and I just kept thinking, you know what? One more would just put me in a place where that would be nice. And so, what did I do? The, ne- the next exit I had a McDonald's. You know what I did? I stopped in. And I got an, an, another McRib. So three. And let me tell you something: three McRibs. They were all of the same equal quality, which was trash, but it was still delicious. I how see, many? I, how I many see, oinks did it get? <laughs> Yeah, I seem to recall. Nick Dexholdy uh, has yeah. a fantastic Facebook group called the Barbecue Drifter. If you're into barbecue, check out that Facebook group where there's actually real barbecue posts from real places across the country. And he's got an oink system. Now, I haven't exactly figured out the nuances of the oink system, but let's say it was five oinks. I would give the McRibs probably a minus two. Minus two, even though you were on the road, had two, got off, got a third. Um, This is what you call virtue signaling, Dan. Okay. Okay. 
I thought at least something like to get me back off the road again to go another one. Well, if it was five, I've 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 had some four oinks. I've had some five oinks. It's a solid two, solid two oinks. If 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 we're being honest here, two oinks. And how many nuggets did you have along with that? Oh no, I have standards. Really? Yeah, that's cross contamination. That's chicken and pork. That's not kosher. No, yeah, it's not going to work. That's the two food groups. So we've turned the, uh, the beekeeping podcast now into a uh, barbecue review show, uh, which we'll probably actually get. Well, we'll get somebody more than our moms just listening now. So there's that. Hopefully. Well, tonight is the first night, day one here at the Hive Life Convention. Jimbo, what was what's your overall impression so far of day one at the Hive Life Convention here I- in Lebanon, Tennessee, hosted by Mr. Cayman Reynolds? Yeah, what'd you think of the first day? I thought it was great. There was a lot of uh, you know a lot of great speakers there, uh, a lot of great information. Uh, it was a little bit different than I was expecting, but I think that's of anything that you go into something with a little bit of a preconceived notion of what it is, and it's always completely different. Um, is that con- called conference bias? I think that might be called Did we just conference create a new bias? bias. Yeah, I'm definitely biased. Congratulations. Uh, there's you know and, you know a lot of great vendors there as well. You know. You know you know, great to see all the different things you could uh, purchase along the way and get a little bit of a discount from uh, Dayton and Sons, which is great. You know what I didn't see there? What? Flow Hive. I saw Flow Hive frames. I saw Flow Hive frames. You but saw them see too. Some Flow Hive frames, yeah, mm-hmm. and some long langs. Mm-hmm. I. You did. Yeah. So I, you know, my Those some weird looking frames. They're wide and they're super wide. They're very bulky. It's like the it's like the same as like a uh, in frame feeder, and it seems like that would not be something you'd want to be having to fool or manipulate a whole lot. Well, but that's the point of it. You're not supposed to. You just turn the crank and your honey flows. Do bees just treat themselves, or they take care of themselves? I I don't know. I don't have a flow hive. You just turn a nozzle and you have a beautiful mason jar full of honey. You can share it with all your friends and family. I guess so. So the video shows. It must be true. It has to be. It's on the internet. Learn anything today, Jimbo? Yeah, I did actually. You know, are you guys done? I think we're done. We're Maybe. we're kind sure of you haven't that? picked it up here. We're it's it's already pretty late in the night, and uh, we're super drunk on Pizza Hut. Stuff crust every time. Stuff crust. It's just wow. I'm in a weird weird place after all that pizza. It happens. Yeah, my biggest uh, uh, takeaway today was uh, the beekeeping industry is full of non-original ideas. Everything's borrowed from something, from something, from something, something from something, and that may actually that resonated a lot with me because, uh, you know, being in you know in, in in different artistic industry as well, it's it's quite similar. You know, if you look in the tech industry, it's quite similar. It's just everyone's you know borrowing or stealing from somebody, and and you know just kind of you know resonated with me that you know, you know, this person didn't invent the wheel; they just you know. They, you know, either they copied from someone or found a better way to do it. But even when they, you know, do think they inv- they invent the wheel, they found out that somebody down the road actually did. And it's like, well, I guess, you know, even when you do feel like you have an original idea, sometimes maybe you don't. Well, you being the religious scholar that you are, there's an old uh, scripture in Proverbs that says there's nothing new under the sun. Indeed. But I'm not, I'm not a 
religious scholar. You're not? No. Oh. Only you, Greg. Only you. You're the Southern Baptist, not us. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> Southern Baptist or son of a Baptist? Oh, I think it's grandson of a Baptist, is it right? No. No. Uh-uh. Oh, okay. You probably shouldn't throw in religious politics also into today's episode, but uh, that would have been a real smooth transition otherwise. It would have been, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Dan? What did you... Uh, what would today look like through Dan's eyeballs and yours? Uh, for where I'm at and the bees and my whole journey through it is actually, uh, it was quite reassuring in some places. And also, too, it was, uh, it was definitely something that made me reassess how I do things. Uh, the big one was Bob Beanie. Is it right? Beanie? Benny. Benny. Bob Benny was talking about using uh, sugar syrup. And I always had the mentality of use two to one because that's less work the bees have to do. But at the same time, I never put the two and two together that you're using sugar syrup to pretty much simulate nectar coming off of flowers. And also that nectar flow would stimulate brood growth and increase a brood. And what was interesting is the first thing he said is don't listen to any of us up here that have anything to say. Yes. Because, and then he did a good job, I think, of explaining that uh, there's nuance to all that. Very much so. He didn't say necessarily that uh, one-to-one or two-to-one or three-to-one or fructose or sucrose is necessarily better than the other, but they have a different outcome. Everything has its place. Right. You know, it's almost like he was putting context into it. Oh, right. completely. So, right, so he didn't say Dan shouldn't feed two-to-one, but he said, uh, but I think you heard something that you are seeing with your bee yard where if you're not looking to put on weight and you're looking to draw wax yeah, or to stimulate in a certain way. Spring buildup's the big one where I feed. And so that, and that's what really hit me is the only time I really feed spring buildup last year. I didn't have a major dearth to where I needed to put uh, any feed out for them. So, and I always went in the mentality two to one's the way to go and I fed it year round for a couple of years. But it's... But it also seemed to work good for you. Yeah, it worked good, but now we're getting into the nuances of the art, and this might be something that works better. And this is someone that has a certain level of success with it, so there might be true a reason to... But I think what's interesting with beekeeping is for every person that is seemingly successful it says to do something a certain way, there's as many folks that also would say do it the opposite way. Yes. Which leads to something that uh, Bob had said in his talk is beekeeping is 50% science and 50% art. Yep. And the 50% of the art part comes down to you, how you uh, orchestrate whatever your understanding of the science is uh, to see and actually observe and see those results and then make adjustments and things like that. Oh, yeah. So where you might use two to one, maybe Jimbo would use a one to one, or maybe Mm -hmm. I'd do neither and use a fructose. Yeah. Each one has a certain result of that uh and what's also important is locality when when bob benny is in northern georgia he's had experience with uh you know on the west coast and um pollinating and and makes a lot of packages and nukes Mm -hmm. and things like that so he he definitely has a lot to say yeah seems like he's been all over yeah so that was one of the big ones that actually made me think back to how i do things and the, the way i feed yeah and I have to say, Dan, that actually resonated with me as well, you know, watching, you know, him talk about all that. Like, I never really just ever thought about breaking that, even that down further into context, what the context is. And it was and it was interesting that when he was talking about 
how quickly you drop syrup to them. And it was nice to see him bring in the Canadians perspective as he has to drop it fast. Doesn't mean we have to. So it falls back to that whole context or, is key. Or maybe you do. Maybe you, you do or have a, a certain reason why you've put a bunch of hives together late in the year and you do have to put a bunch of weight on. Yeah. Then maybe you would literally drown them in syrup. I think he was more speaking to just because that's the way he doesn't doesn't mean that everyone has to follow his exact model. Right. It has to all circle back to where Everyone's it fits into your system. Everyone's looking for a cookie cutter. I just want to. I want this formula, and I want to get this component of success out of it by following that formula. And that's, I think, what I heard from uh, you know today was uh, Bob Benny talking a lot about feeding. It came in came in Reynolds talking about uh, mite pressure and queens, uh, and Kent Williams really going into a lot of detail on queen rearing, Mm -hmm. um, and and his from his end of it. And I think what I what I you start to hear not the same piece of information from folks that are experienced, but you you start to pick up on a certain style. Yeah. Um, and things that I've learned from my mentor uh, that I've heard said for years and years and years, you start to hear similar things being echoed by other experienced beekeepers where they're not really, um, they aren't afraid to just do, they have enough experience to where they can see something happen in their bee yard and not be afraid to adapt and make changes uh, and do certain things that are contrary uh, it's how the rest of the world does things. Today, Kent Williams was talking about uh, having difficulty with uh, queen cell acceptance uh, on cap cells. Yeah. And he had a, a situation where they were getting torn down. Um, and he had, uh, had I, can't, I can't remember if he said he, someone had taught him or he picked it up or he had tried it, but anyways, using a, a queen cell that had only been in for two days and nope. being drawn out. So it was still open. Yeah. Um, and putting that in and having tremendous uh, take rate, yeah, in those situations. So, is I think what I what I my big takeaway I think that I learned today was that you have to be you have to continue to constantly be trying something all the time, and also be sure you're diversifying the eggs that are in your basket because what is seemingly works right now might not in the future. And sometimes those variables, we don't know what those are, but we can see the outcome of the result of uh, trying a certain grafting tool, grafting with a certain starter, uh, putting together uh, certain boxes or resource size, things that we think are, are successful until they're not. And it's sometimes hard to figure out why there's been a change if you're able to just continually adapt and improvise as you're going through uh, getting enough experience where you're starting to see something that's... Uh, similar results year after year when you do have that thing that comes and kind of throws a wrench in it it's not a not a deal breaker yeah you you can you can you can pivot on your feet and figure the next thing out the other thing i learned uh today that it is a very small world it is and so we were sitting at a table and uh had the, the the gentleman in front of us turn around and ask us where we're from we said ohio when we asked him where he was from, and he said Ohio. It turns out we all live in Ohio, and we're also in a lot of the same Facebook Ohio beekeeper groups <laughs> yeah. uh, and stuff like that. And so uh, today on the show, we also have Mr. Tracy Scott. 
Hello, thanks for having me. Tracy, where are you from, and what's the name of your uh, your bee farm and all that? It's my, uh, I'm from Jamestown, Ohio, grew up in Xenia. Uh, my bee farm is Hive Products. Been a beekeeper 25 years. 25 years. And still learning. That's a good, that you have yeah, to have that kind gotta, of attitude. Yeah, you got to have that mentality. If you stop learning, you're, you get stagnant and, and then you stay lose. where you're at. You stay, yeah, you'll lose. Tracy, what are you looking forward to tomorrow for tomorrow's uh, tomorrow's day two, the last day? Uh, is there anything specifically you're looking forward to or you're hoping to get out of tomorrow? Um, I don't know if there's anything extra I'm looking to get out. I, I actually have to see what the schedule it brings for tomorrow and who's going to talk. I know Ian's going to be on tomorrow. Ian Stepler is going to be on tomorrow. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and as well as the same speakers we had today, uh, talking on a different subject. Bob Benny, Kent Williams, Cayman yeah. Reynolds. You know, Kent Williams, I, I've not heard him speak uh, as uh, as far as informative and funny he's he, he I had really a good, enjoyed, he, yeah he was I, good. he didn't have a powerpoint he just he did the, not the, he just, just got out he was there just throwing and down talked. the truth bombs yeah. and that was i, know, I was worried was really at first good. when i didn't see that powerpoint rolling but well he started going i was like, i'm actually surprised that i thought i at first you know the first one was uh was randy oliver and a lot of really heavy on the powerpoint stuff right right and then right. you know cayman's got a great personality and he's he cuts up and has fun and uh you know brings a different kind of a speed um you know to that whole thing and then kent williams um at least today didn't have a powerpoint and at, at i'm it's i think i more related to that approach than anything like i was so in tune and heard every word and i think that was great that um there's just, different types of speakers that have different types of approaches that are offered in the same convention so well done i, I think to, to i Kane don't know and how reynolds for that he was just so personable he was. Yeah, it, it felt like you were having a conversation with a friend. Yeah. It was, yeah. And I actually, Greg, I saw you actually writing down. That was the first time I saw you writing down notes pretty much for the day was I had no, I had no, definitely had notes for everybody. Um, but, you know, I we were sitting in the back of the room primarily because, I don't know, we're, we're these young hillbilly farmers and we, we do that old man thing. We have to get up all the time and stand and stretch in the back of the room. So we kind of, the table back out of the way the only trouble with that is now i'm wearing glasses and i still can't see the screen from back there uh so i think maybe that's why i got so much um out of kent williams because i just i don't know i heard every word i could hit i you know wrote it down just made and that's also i think what's also uh and then again I think uh, Cayman and Laurel Reynolds did a tremendous job so far because they're offering different, not only different styles of beekeepers, but they all teach and present differently. Yeah. So no matter who you are or where you are in your journey, there's something that I think that's going to resonate with somebody. And for me, I think they were all great today. But when Kent Williams started going off, it was like it just it locked in for me. Yeah, I th- Cayman and Laurel did a great job on this so far, and I'm sure they will tomorrow as well. This is their first event like this. Wow! They, so far, they knocked it out of the park. Yeah, they've nailed it. And the format, this is different than one I've ever been to. Usually, you have to pick four topics out of six or eight presenters, right? And you miss one that you always want to see, or you know, you don't get to hear them all. This is one presenter at a time presenting it to the entire group. So you, it's a two-day event, and uh, I, th- I personally think for the cost of the event. It's well worth it. Oh for, yeah, for, for the information you're getting. 
Yeah, 100%. And we've all been in the conventions where there's four things going on. And you're trying to look through the descriptions to see, okay, well, that might be cool. And then you get there uh, or you get into that room and it, it might have been a total bust. And by that time, you really can't get up and get into another room because that room's now the seats are all full and you really want to get up and make the disruption and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, okay, well, you walk past the vendor's booth two or three times and you're wondering, hmm, I don't know, is this worth the, worth worthwhile? I can tell you so far we were actually talking about the same thing you just mentioned we were talking yeah. about last night because we've all been to conventions before uh, and that's usually the way it goes but the most valuable thing that usually happens at conventions um, time in between is the time in between and the relationship that you make and the conversations that you have with folks uh, only- and that's, that's actually what I was going to say is this is the first time I've ever been to one where there's 30 minutes between each speaker which it's he brought up a good point. There's plenty of time to go to the bathroom, get something to drink, things like that. But you find yourself more or less just chatting to other people going there, getting other perspective, points of view, and ultimately making friends that are doing the same thing as you. And I, and I gotta say, we've definitely been to, to other beekeeping conferences before, and it seems like they've been a little dusty. Yeah, uh, and for whatever reason. Well, I know a lot of a lot of folks have been shut up in their in their houses and have been away yes. from the social. So maybe we're all probably super eager uh, to have some face to face time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's it really does seem like it's easier than it has ever been uh, to almost pick anybody you see and, and strike up a conversation and can just talk, 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 yeah. talk. Next thing you know, okay, they're back to the conference again uh, and, and it's ready to go. Where, but in, in other conventions, it's almost. This was before. This is what do you call the? It's pre-COVID. Uh, P- I thought it was BC. BC before, before COVID. COVID yeah. yeah. So BC, uh, you know, one or two year BC. Uh, you know, it was almost more awkward then to walk up to somebody. Yeah. To have a conversation. To where now it's like, it was. Oh my incredibly- god! You're another person in the wild. How are you doing? <laughs> That's what it is. Oh, human, me, human. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, so that that's a different um, you know kind of dynamic. Um, so that's that's been awesome you know if uh if if today was the only day i would have gotten my money's worth you know times four. oh absolutely um all, all it's ready. just it's a unique different structure that they have set this up to be and i i think it's awesome so and i'm glad that they're not trying to slam 25 different presenters in two days and they're just really going for anyone that can say yes but they're actually seeking out people that have something that they're knowledgeable and it's something that they know everyone will have at least one takeaway from each lecture that's given. And they're all humble. Yes. So really it's quality over quantity. Yeah. So now I'll take one good speaker over the day versus 10 that are all kind of, eh. I wonder if there's going to be more, I wonder if a lot of uh, beekeepers are going to be putting, investing more, this coming year uh, into conventions or um, I think a lot of them are mostly Zoom, I would think. Yeah, this is, well, uh, Randy Oliver said this is the first time he's ever spoken uh, post-BC. Fiscally, this during this fiscal year. Yeah, this is the first group of actual beekeepers he ever spoke to. Yeah. yeah I know our local club, they don't start back until March, I believe. Okay. February or March, they take off uh, – months through the December 
January and February, I think. Right. I think our local club picks back up this month. I'm homeless. You don't have a B club? I don't. I'm a member of ECOBA, and I'm actually looking forward to uh, being their Zoom presenter for the month of January. What are you presenting? I'm going to talk about uh, hard lessons learned. Oh, speaking of that, I, I this completely slipped my mind. What other... Uh what other famous people that we're going to be listening to tomorrow are you going to be talking with uh, here coming up? Oh, Dan, thanks for that seamless plug. We'll make it even more seamless. You're presenting alongside Randy Oliver and Ian Stepler. What's that deal? And Tom Seeley. Oh, yeah. DW Show and Thaw. Uh, and that's going to be in February at the Utah Beekeepers Conference. Is this their state conference? It's their state conference. So that's pretty cool. I mean, it's... Is this in person or through Zoom? This is this is through Zoom. Yep. So hopefully it's going to be recorded and available for folks later. I'm pretty sure you can still uh, become a you can still become a non-state member uh, for the Utah Beekeepers Association to check out the conference too. Can you just sign up for just the conference? I don't. I'm not sure. Okay. Yeah. But it was an incredible honor uh, to be even asked to speak there and be a part of that. And that it's definitely uh, seems almost silly to see my name uh and the same bills schedule and the bill with those guys i mean those are those guys are doing amazing things and have for for quite a long time so uh so if i guess that's february utah beekeepers uh conference with uh tom seeley randy oliver ian stepler dw schoenthal myself and then also a couple uh utah i believe it's bee inspectors i think as well uh where do we find more information do you know the website off the top of your head uba.wildapricot.org. All right. You can check out uh, all that information there. And uh, so that's a pretty fun, new, unique. And for me, little old me, it's huge. That's a huge um, opportunity and, a, and an honor to be a part of that. So I just realized normally when you do like these housekeeping type things in a show, it's supposed to be in the beginning before everyone gets uninterested and turns it off. You realize this is the contrary. This is the yeah. contrary beekeeper yeah. show. We just make our own rules. The and only we break people them and are, then we change them and then we... Only people that are going to hear these are our mothers. Well, maybe yours. Mine doesn't make it this far. Right. I'm pretty sure I, we could put all of our mothers to sleep with this no, beekeeping nonsense. Was there anything else? I guess tomorrow is going to be a uh, lot going on tomorrow. Is there anything uh, specific you guys are looking forward to? Checking out day two of the Hive Life Conference? Uh, I can't remember his name. I, I think for me, like, like I said yesterday, is like the coffee and donuts. I mean, that's definitely Supreme. where he's at. Supreme. I How many the, donuts I, did you eat today? You know, I personally, I didn't eat any donuts, but I saw Dan put away at least Who three or four. Who was that kid hustling donuts that you were helping really push them? Man, there's a there's a donut salesman at the front door there. You cannot walk by. I mean, he had my arm twisted. So I, I didn't think I was double jointed, but somehow I had my arm twisted so far behind my back. That not only did I eat one before I got my arm back out front, but I had one for the road. I did that too. Uh, Kent Williams is doing one on honey production and swarm control tomorrow. And That'd that, be a good one for that, you. That's yeah, a good that's one. the yeah. big one I'm really looking forward to. Just because he's, I think he's a good presenter and also this is something right up my alley. Yeah. I'm looking forward to just learning more about uh, or uh, understanding uh, the context behind uh, some of the different approaches with queens and, and uh you know how they go about certain things because I think it's one thing to learn how to do something or perform 
uh, a certain method, but it's a it's something altogether to actually fully understand the context as to why it's successful and why it is that the beekeeper chose to do that rather than the million other things that they could be doing. I think that's where I yeah. geek out is the context, the why. Those are things that I'm looking forward to, to checking out. I don't think you've ever talked about context or why on here. It's it's like we're, we're, we're beating a dead horse here, isn't we it? We are. Is there anything uh, uh, going to catch your eye, you think? Uh, I think I think the one on Kent, Kent Williams is going to be interesting. Yeah. As well as, as, well as the others. Uh, I'm going to learn something from all of them tomorrow. Yep. I'm sure I'll get something out of all of them. Yep. And I mean, honestly, I got to say, Kent... Yeah, and Kent Williams one is what kind of piqued my eye for tomorrow as well. Yeah. Because, I mean, how does, you know, swarming and hunting production not interest a lot of beekeepers? Today was the first time I knew or learned that he had the three-day class that he's at his house. Yeah. That's yeah. something I would be interested in going yeah, Everybody's to. welcome. <laughs> everybody's welcome and do what you want at his hives. You know, if you want to learn how to make a split, you make a split. If you want to learn to... Make a cell builder, he'll teach you that. It's whatever. It's not a structured. If you want to specialize, you know, a specific topic that you are interested in, you'll do it. And I think the price is right. It's free. <laughs> and there's free food. And food. Two of those. That's a heck of a service that yeah. that man's providing. Uh, Mid-April. Yep. Yep. Uh, this made me think of it. Did you uh, did you ever watch that show on Netflix, Meat Eater? Oh yeah, with um, Steve uh, Rinelli. Yes, one of the things that he speaks about was conservation and things like that. But it's he always asked the question, "How did you get into hunting?" And it's always, "Well, it's something my dad did." And it's it's one of those generational things. And since a lot of bees as part of it's seen through the lens of agriculture. And so that your 4-H, FFA, things like that are big agriculture programs. Those are one of those generational things that is always passed down. And it seems more difficult to bring fresh blood outside of the agricultural community into these types of organizations. Yeah. You don't hear a lot of new FFA and 4-H groups starting up. You always hear them shutting down. Right. That's a good point. So it's, it's definitely one of those things to bring that new lifeblood into. And for being in the ag world, outside of beekeeping, this is one of the few times I've been to a place to where I'm not the youngest person in the room, but I'm only 32 now. So there is a there's a smooth dynamic between you have your older folks and there's a pretty healthy number of younger for the folks. It's it's quite this balanced. conference is a testament to that because I don't think I've it ever is. been to a convention where there is as many young folks uh, attending as there are experienced folks. We look at today's uh, speakers, and we've got Bob Benny, which has decades and decades of experience. Yeah, You have someone like Kent Williams, who also has a lot of experience. You have someone like Cayman Reynolds, which has 17 years' experience. Yeah, But I think that rascal said he was, what, 32? 32. Same age right. as me. So and I, I found that really interesting when he was saying he, at 14 years old, he was learning how to beekeep. And, you know, I know for... Like me and you, it wasn't until our what, our thirties that we we yeah. decided to get into beekeeping. Dan, you were in your late twenties. Yeah, 
Like, and you brought up a good point too. Just because someone's been doing something for a long time doesn't mean, doesn't they've mean they're good. Or, yeah, or good. So that's the thing. It's it's yeah. never too late to get into beekeeping. But the the, the sooner you can get into that and and and, uh, and get going, find a good mentor. I mean, there there are endless opportunities and possibilities if you feel that this is the art that you do want to perform and be and be engaged with. And this just you know as as we. Uh, we're, we're leaving today. We went up and said hi to, to Bob and to Cayman and, and to Kent. And we did put them all three on the spot uh, to try to get them on the, the, the podcast later. They all and three they all agreed. humbly agreed. So Hey, they were, might have been tired, but they agreed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we're, we're going to look forward to uh, circling back to Bob Benny and uh, Cayman Reynolds and Kent Williams to uh, uh, hopefully, uh, if they do happen to have a, a couple minutes to spare, yeah. um, um, maybe we can sit down and have a conversation and uh, you know, dig into uh, their arts individually. I think it would oh, be yeah. incredible. Yeah. I'd love to see Bob's setup that he has down there. I hear it's oh, it's fantastic. Just That's the direction I'm heading, so. I think what Dan's trying to say is he's looking to gain more knowledge on the honey side yes. of things. Yes, there we go. Yeah, uh, and yeah. Yeah. So th- those, were, uh, those were three great... Uh, fantastic presenters each one of those both bob came in and can't offer special and unique uh, aspects of their art and it's great so i think i'm also looking forward to uh you know more in between conversations and uh networking with folks and and, and learning more about uh, what they're doing i guess we'll check in again tomorrow night and uh recap the last uh the last night there and uh so far, I think it's not only money and time well spent, uh, but I think in times as we find ourselves in, I think it's uh, refreshing, uh, humbling, and also uh, a certain sense of uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't want to go down that, that road too much. But there's a lot of freedom and liberty uh, at a conference uh, that we could currently find ourselves in, and I, I certainly appreciate that. It's getting late. We've had a lot of uh, mushroom pizza. I'm not even sure what kind of mushrooms they put on those pizzas. Came out of my cow pasture. That might be a Paul Stamets uh, <laughs> episode the right Paul there. Paul Stamets special? Yeah. Uh, join us next week with P- Paul Stamets. Greg Burns taking the hero's journey. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to The Country Country Welcome back to the show. We're here in the hotel lobby after the uh, last day of the Hive Life conference. My brain feels like mush, like a marshmallow. I think all of ours do. That was uh, an incredible amount of information. That was a very large amount of information. Useful information is the important thing. Yes. That was 10 hours a day for two days. That was 10 hours a day. I mean, that was a really was an incredible opportunity to hear from all that experience. Yeah, and the and the, the way that they did it. I think we uh, last night. I know that we uh, we spoke highly of uh, of Cayman and Laurel Reynolds and Kent Williams, Bob Benny, um, Ian Stepler. Yeah, and uh, I I just uh, you know I don't want to sound like like the only fanboy here, but I, I think even more of all of them. Um, after an, another day is another day to uh, get to better understand why it is that they do some of the things that they do rather than just trying to learn 
uh, or mimic or copy certain methods. And I was I was really really shocked between all of them that a lot of the things they did were extremely similar on the way they just ran their equipment, their yards, they set them up, things like that. But they all had their different nuances. Right. That was the one thing I you know I respect out of all of them is that context was key for all of them. Like when people had questions, you know, you know. It, it wasn't, you know, just giving the direct answer to their question. It was just they all, you know, have a different different reason for what they do, and and they, you know, explained it. And they all do things a little bit differently, and they're not uh, afraid or bashful or shy to say, "Hey, he, you know, he he does this, uh, and we and we do this." You know, you've got uh, single brood management in some areas of North America versus uh, double 10 frame deeps in different parts and I think it's uh, not only was it refreshing to have the uh, we can all do this different and still appreciate each other's uh, ways of doing it um, but it was um, is it was I think it's helpful for any beekeeper who has some experience to hear more of the nuts and bolts aspect of it to better understand why all these little pieces uh, fit for each person's operation what is um if and it's it's what's i think interesting about uh events um where you really are learning is you have different time frames for takeaways so like when you're there um you know tracy uh is raising bees for honey same for dan same for jimbo uh, I'm I'm more raising nukes and queens, so when we all hear different components from each speaker, are, are that your ears perk up and then you're like in a little bit more of a hyper focus, taking notes, and then as uh, there's a little transition as you're learning something to where it might not resonate as much, and then you you trail off, and then you hear something and it perks back up. What's interesting is we're all going to receive something different from that yeah. message. And we can hear the same message and still even receive something completely different. So I think what would be interesting is to try to dig in a little bit to where we perked, where where we perked, but also where we perked at right now in the moment from the time it happened versus on the way home. It's going to uh, be a lot different. Well, yeah, because we'll have time to digest it. And then next week, and the next, it, it, so there's like a there's a whole process with with uh, you know absorbing. You that. you know both of you because you watched me. When when did I go for a trip of knowledge? Uh, as soon as Ian Stepler came on, and there was lots of equipment and lots of help and lots and lots of hives. Dan went from uh, regular Dan to Scratching his beard, Bill of his hat comes down. He's kind of hunched forward, very quiet, very quiet. Not definitely not not demoralized in character, but very very deep in contemplation. Where his entire life flashed before his eyes, and everything he's ever done in a hive, he's replaying, and now he's thinking, "This is where you come in and tell us what you were thinking." Oh oh oh. I don't know if it was as extreme as you laid it out, but 
one of the more unique things I really took away from Ian was that uh, a lot of times we hear people talk in the bee industry, it's their techniques on keeping bees. And it's always somehow related to that manipulation of that insect. Very, very few times will you actually see somebody talk about the business side of things. And that's what the big thing Ian talked about a very substantial bit was the business side. And honestly, out of a lot of things I've watched, listened to, read, that was... That was more knowledge going into the business side of it and how to work it on the back end. There's bucket loads of knowledge on how to make splits, uh, how to rear queens, hundreds of different techniques. There's substantially less knowledge on getting a skid steer is more valuable. Well, that was actually from Kent, but getting a skid steer would be more valuable than a tractor. Or just how to disperse your workforce, how to find the workforce, what age range, things like that. How to how to task out the ones that have a skill set geared towards it versus ones that don't have a skill set set in bees. And that was one that really took my interest because it's it's a lot of the less glamorous side of beekeeping, I'd say. So and it's more I would say it's more on the business side of the house versus the B side. And it really made me think because as now I've kind of kept it kind of a secret, but it's hard to now we're in the process of building a new honey house. My very sweet and adorable and kind and loving wife has finally said it might be time to unbolt the uh, 20 frame radial. That is the centerpiece of our kitchen. Say it ain't so. What? That, That's yes. The, the best part about walking in Dan's I know. house is just, it's just jealousy. Especially when you lag bolt it right to the floor. I mean, it's not going to go anywhere that way. It definitely isn't. <laughs> so she kind of said, hey, maybe we need to think about getting this out of here. And then that's when the Honey House Project began. And it started to slowly grow. And now... When was that last weekend or the weekend before we hung trusses? Yep. Got those up there and I got the rest of the uh, girts laid out. And if you're ever on the roof with Dan and you're on the, you're on the trusses and you're setting purlins, he really, really loves it. If you like sing nineties R and B and just wiggle it to the left and wiggle it to the right and just shake those trusses around really Make sure they're tied in well. He loves, absolutely loves I that. love that as much as Greg loves riding in the back seat. Right. Yep. I've never seen the fear in Dan's eye until <laughs> I shook his roof. Were you, you afraid the lot. roof was... I was you be- shook a lot more than my roof. <laughs> <laughs> Tracy, after, after seeing Ian's uh, presentation today, did you have any uh, immediate takeaways? Uh, yeah, I... I like the whole thing, but yeah, explaining what it takes to grow the business from start to where he's at now, um, learning how to trust his employees and what he can train people for, what tasks doesn't take a, a big skill set, and uh, stepping away from some of it and letting his employees take ownership of the process. Yeah, that's a... That's and a big deal. That was the biggest thing for me, too, was that Ian 
seemed like he was very similar minded to where he falls in that. He admitted himself that he fell into that control freak category to where that he likes everything done his way. And when he does it, he kind of, I think it's, he kind of has that feeling. He knows that it's done right. And I'm very similar in that. And God forbid if I ever do grow into something where I got an employee or something crazy like that, that would be probably one of the most monumental tasks is being able to give someone guidance to do the job and let them do it and me not hover over them saying you're doing it wrong or I would do it this way or let them complete the task. I feel like we were sitting there listening to Ian. It was like being a kid at church and it's your grandpa preaching and the message uh you feel like he tuned up just to get at you because a lot of us i think struggle through that and some of us will admit how stubborn we are uh how much we are control freaks and how hard it is to turn the reins over and uh delegate some of those things i know when i've uh it's you know, like anyone who's trying to grow uh, their business, you know, we're experiencing severe growing pains as well. And you get to a point to where you can't do any more by yourself. Yeah. Um, and you, you, you need help doing certain things. Uh, and so I, I, one of the, some of the biggest things that I got from uh, Ian's uh, presentation um, was not really only that he's unfortunately stuck with Tim Horton's coffee. Did he rotate that cup just so every time he took I a swig, I, you know, I that think that the maple leaf was right there in front of the camera. Is it possible he, he's a Tim Horton chill? I mean, is he really? Is it possible he's put in place there to promote Tim Horton's coffee when there's so many other good coffees out there? Not going to lie, Tim Horton's coffee doesn't need a lot of promoting. Yeah, we. I am kind of a big fan of Tim's coffee. Lose, I did lose a bet to you, and I, I did tell tell Ian that. You know, we had a bet going on whether or not Ian goes for the assorted Timbits, if he goes for just one flavor, or if he just picks a certain one out. And so I asked him, uh, and apparently Ian Stepler is not a fan of the Timbits. They go right to the kids is what he said. Huh. They go right to me. I like the sour cream ones, those like soft yeasty ones. If I mm-hmm. could just get like a whole thing of those. See, I normally eat Timbits when I'm driving. I'll get the assorted and not look at what I'm getting. And you get to pick it. You get it's like a box of chocolates, but so much better. So am I the only one that does that thing, though? If you go in there and you really should probably just have a 10-pack, but you say give me a 20-pack because I'm going to bring some home for the kids. If my kids are listening, they're going to be like, we'd never see any 10 bits. <laughs> well, there's, there's the reason why. So I will go ahead and get 20. But I play this game with myself to where, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm health food-minded. You know, I mean, I'm a well-rounded individual. Uh, and the fact that I've been off keto for a little while, I'm really well wounded when it comes to that. I do this thing where I don't tell them what I want. That is, it's, it's, it's assorted. And then, but there's, you guys know there is uh, diet Timbits in those packs. Is it just, I, it's just me who plays this game apparently. Yeah. Apparently so. Okay, so you know the really plain, nasty ones? There's nothing on them? There's just the, the brown ones? No, they're just cake. There's the, yeah. So what I pretend is that those ones are actually healthier <laughs> for oh. me. So, so, but it, it's also like this, um, you know, when you eat the really sweet ones, and, and you, you know those ones that are like the chocolate ones or even the white ones, they're like crusted full of like glaze. The chocolate glaze. 
and you eat those, and you're like, oh, that was either it's like, oh, that's almost too sweet. Here's what you do: you reach down in there, you just fumble around, and you find that regular cake one. You eat the cake one; it's palate cleansing. And then you have the coffee, and then you're back to square one. Now you can go ahead and is this is this? You know, I'm not really sure. I'm comfortable sharing this. I wasn't really like I didn't want to come out with. So there we were listening to Ian talk again, not about Tim Bits or Timmy's Coffee or. How do we get this far off track, Greg? I'm surprised we don't always get this far off track. We We never do. Never. What I was really getting out of it was uh, being a control freak and being stubborn and hard-headed and having the growing pains. Uh, my my mind starts working on. I think what he did, a, he did a, a fantastic job, is outlining um, how he goes about delegating. Yeah, where he makes a list of um, the tasks that can be performed by um, help. Yes, tasks that can be outlined by trained help and then tasks that really only he can perform. Yeah. And I really thought that was brilliant because as he's talking about that, I'm thinking, okay, um, there's certain things in the bee yard like uh, taking care of the grass, uh, cleaning buckets, getting bucket feeders uh, straightened up and out to the yard, uh, you know, cleaning up boxes, uh, frames laying around. There's certain tasks that just about any of, any of our kids we could – hire to do or, or anybody another beekeeper who wants to learn can yeah. come in and do uh i'm like wow that's that's actually brilliant because a lot of the things that i really hate to do is things that not only make it nice and aesthetic in the bee yard but it makes it to where you're not tripping over crap and uh the bees have what they need and i'm like man that's so I, a light bulb started to go off where i could oh let me start i could actually delegate that um and then like well there's no reason why you know I, you couldn't start to bring in, um, start putting effort into um, training and, and teaching certain aspects that need to happen in the bee yard and have that be someone else's responsibility to where I can focus on the things that right now um, there's not enough time or uh, enough ability for somebody else to do. And like, wow, what that does is it frees up an enormous amount of time. That's when I started seeing you perk up was when he started talking about that whiteboard and a kiss method. Yeah. yeah. You you just you shot up. Right. It really... Um, I do know your love of whiteboards and laying things out on there. I, I do like to scribble on stuff and, and, uh, and have all these con- weird graphs and diagrams and charts yep. and pictures and and for those who you don't that don't know about this about greg in his dining room is like a very huge whiteboard so jimbo what did you, what, what were your takeaways uh early takeaways uh with with ian stepler you know i i i have really found his talk interesting and the fact that it related to nothing that i'm doing really you know it's still really interested me uh as a beekeeper he's he's just on like 10 different levels above me uh, as far as operation goes, uh, you know, I was just surprised just, just to see the scale of his operation and actually having employees because, you know, when I look at beekeepers, everyone's pretty much a lone wolf, you know, when it comes to beekeepers. And being, being actually able to see somebody who's not only made a business of it, because I mean, we all have our own businesses, but, like, he's making, like, an enterprise out of it with all these workers 
Uh, he's part of like this. Um, what's it called? Madecraft. Be made. Be made. That's what it is. We, we saw his hat and it said made. I thought it was a cabinet company. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I, you know, and then he explained, you know, he's part of this co-op in Canada for be made for for be made, and like I mean, like this dude's like the real deal, and then he's like he's going and he he's showing us his operation through videos to pictures, like. I don't know if you guys have ever seen these beekeepers out there. Like, it's a state secret what they're doing. So you, we did, when did we do that Mark Smith episode, what, two years ago? Yep. I found Ian about a month and a half before we interviewed Mark Smith. The only reason I remember that is because Mark and I talked about it. And it was earth-shattering because... He is one of the few. He uh, he made an hour and a half video on how he manages his colony start to finish, and shows you exactly what he does in grave detail. He also has another one about uh, going from sideliner to full commercial. It's the things that you never find anyone talking about. I think what's great about all the presenters that we've seen today is you typically just know them individually by their name, but then real quick uh, you understand that they have an entire team behind them yeah, and many different supportive positions to uh, facilitate. There's, yeah, I mean, there's, there's different tasks that, like, that you don't even think about. And this man found a task for his, what, 85-year-old grandfather? Right. Who was, you know, a farmhand for many years and is starting to feel not as useful anymore. And like, it was the most minuscule task you would ever think of, just pretty much making sure that the honey doesn't overflow onto the onto the floor. Like, so you know, this guy just sat there, you know, and that was his job: make sure to you know shut, shut the valve off when it came right to overflow. You know, and then like he talked about, like, okay, he passed away, you know, you know, years later, and. And wouldn't you know it, like, you know, when I didn't refill his position because it was just kind of position created for him. <laughs> the honey hit the floor. The honey hit the floor. And that, I mean, you don't want him. I mean, when you're running his, I mean, nobody wants honey hitting the floor, but especially at his, op, you know, scale of operations, right? Yeah. I mean, so it was just amazing watching the transparency and the interactions, uh, you know. So, you know, it was just, it was a very awe-inspiring moment just for me just watching this guy and, very, it's, it's kind of motivating, you know, just to not necessarily be motivating to be on his level, but to maybe, and I'm not even saying being closer to his level, but just like, just wanting to be better. Yeah, it's, 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 super, it's very uh, inspiring uh, to see that, you know, he uh, was like the rest of us at some point, yeah. uh, and by hard work and determination, uh, and surrounding himself with good people, um, he's got uh, to where he is. And what's interesting is you, you know, a lot of beekeepers um, get discouraged um, when they're surrounded by very successful beekeepers. Uh, but what I really appreciated about Ian's approach is he runs 1,500 hives, um, and he's extremely down-to-earth, transparent with his process, um, and presents in a very relatable way that um, you are rooting him on 
and you're in a in a different mode. You're in a, in a mode of appreciation rather than in a mode of competition when you see something like that. And that really, um, you know, if we're all honest with ourselves, as you do grow a business, you be, you can become very competitive, and you can uh, you know go through all these things uh, you know mentally. And um, I just when I the way he presented uh, himself, I think was fantastic. Yeah. Did you notice that he had a controlled growth to where he didn't grow too fast? That's or true. The fact that you can multiply and bees faster than you can actually grow any other part of your business or produce more honey than you're able to get rid of, that's just more problems. But you want to grow at a rate that you can sustain and improve uh, without going backwards and be able to offload your product as well. That was a that was a, a, a reoccurring theme. Uh, I know uh, today uh, Bob Benny, Kent Williams, and Cayman Reynolds. You know, um, during the uh, you know question uh, the Q and A. You know, there's a lot of questions of you know, well, what what I you know, how do I go from five to twenty five, twenty five to seventy five? You know, uh, and the fact of the matter is, is it's all it's actually all the same formula. Uh, and you can grow to times two or times three or times four, maybe even times five every year. But you have to you have to grow it at a rate uh, that you can actually sustain. Yeah, growing growing the quantity of hives is easy. Yeah, they do that on their own, if to an extent. Yeah, uh, but you can always make your own divisions and splits and push that. But growing a business. It takes some time. It's a control not to go too fast. Yeah. We've, we've talked about it before. It's it's one thing. Um, we've all been fortunate because we've had some mentors um, that we have learned how to create the beast. Who was it that meant, that mentioned knowledge over wisdom? Bob Benny. That they had the knowledge to grow, but they didn't have the wisdom to execute. Yes, right. The the, the it's right. And so when we're when we're when we're actually learning from our mentors how it is to create the beast, that's great. But once you create the beast, where the mentor then has to step back and to where it's a little bit more on you is now you have to figure out how it is that you are going to feed that beast. Yeah, and then maintain and care for that beast. And yes, they can help you along the way, and they can give you tips and advice and things like that. But how we, at what time we feed the beast, and what we feed the beast, um, and what kind of uh, shelter we give, all those things is all completely context specific. And that, that's I think what was pretty interesting is they were all uh, very upfront with that, uh, and they weren't by no means cautioning rapid growth. They were just saying, be careful, don't be the guy um, that this is your first year beekeeping, and you go buy. You go get a loan for fifty thousand dollars or a hundred thousand dollars and go all in year one and um, are putting the where it all now relies on the bees themselves because that's that's a the 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 the, the balance there uh, is going to be way off if uh, that learning curve is awful hard to go to grow that fast yeah but also they were all very supportive on yeah if you want to grow fast and totally you can totally do it and here's a couple things that we did and i think that was that was great bob benny also brought up um that was a great uh you know beekeeping is 50 percent 
science, 50% art. Yeah. And that, that was yesterday, and it kind of uh, doubled up on that today with um, if you really want to learn something, you know, you really seek out somebody who is doing it professionally or making money at it. Yeah. And I know my mentor, the Fat B-Man, has said that. Bob Benny has said that like anyone in any kind of a professional business uh, position will say that, you know. They have to make it work. Did you three take away the the feeling that I got was as busy as they are with their family life and their business, that you could send them an email and they would answer? Yeah, right. absolutely. That everybody yeah. there was willing to give their advice or help to if you reached out i mean in fact we actually i think we had pretty much personal invites to show up at their front doors yeah can invite us all come down not not just at the event he has in april but you know he's made the offer come on down anytime you don't have to wait for that they're very gracious with their time and are eager to sit down and record a podcast or uh spend a little bit of time uh to get to know them a little bit better, which I think is, uh, says a lot about their character. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think Cayman had a lot of great things to say again today as well. Yeah. Yeah. That, that guy, like he sure knows how to sweet talk his wife. I'm just saying there, I I really enjoyed their dynamic. And also he has a really great approach of being candid, being honest, being able to be funny about things. Yeah. Uh, and he, what, I think what I really enjoy about Cayman Reynolds is he doesn't take himself too seriously. And that's a good, that's always a good thing. And he's got a lot to offer and to, to teach us all. Um, but he does it in a way to where, you know, there, there are some very professional, um, there, there's, there's different ways to go about educating folks. And for some, the scientific, um, data driven, way speaks to him and for some um there's just different strokes for different folks i guess yeah but i really enjoyed um and it was it was also fun uh and exciting and interesting to see kind of his progression as well and how, how he started and he has a similar story too of um you know trying things a certain way for too long and um it not working out real well and then switching gears and uh, picking up speed and momentum, and then things just kind of well, even off. even bees out of the equation. Just the grit that it took to put all this together, first year, and how flawless it went for a first year event. Fantastic speakers, uh, good food, especially with everything that's going on right now. It's hats off to him for knocking it out of the park. Yeah, he did do that. I I I appreciated the longer breaks in between sessions yeah enough oh, that you yeah. can mingle and talk to other presenters and you know have have time to ask plenty of questions yeah that was, I, that was a good perk i appreciate how humble he is yeah, very I, much so that was the one thing i saw about him is that he was just very very humble about himself was not you know you know look at me look at me as a beekeeper you know and when there's a question you know you know he didn't turn it into about him you know, he turned it into about you, you know, and it's just like, you know, he, like the thing that, you know, like one of the pieces of advice that resonated with me was grow with your bees. Yep. You know? Yeah. Yeah. When I stumbled up on his channel and I mean, this is a funny thing. 
but I stumbled on his channel and I told my wife, I was like, that guy's a good beekeeper. She said, well, how do you know? I said, because he keeps bees like I do. He asked you know what he's doing. <laughs> Flying by the seat of your pants, too. Huh? Yeah. Yep. Every day. Yeah. I really enjoyed Kent Williams today as well. Uh, yeah. He's, you know, he's got a completely different approach. And I think uh, PowerPoint presentations are absolutely fantastic and they're valuable. Uh, but I think Kent Williams' approach reminded me of, uh, I think, what a lot of folks are uh, kind of hungry for. Uh, and that's that more dialogue-driven, have-a-conversation-style approach of teaching, which um, at, for a second it seemed nostalgic. It did, yeah. And then all of a sudden it just hit home to where I could I could sit and listen to that man talk all day long. It just it. Uh, it's his, almost like you were at an event where he was there were speakers for like ten hours a day. Yeah, and yeah. you didn't even have to look at him. Like you could just sit there and just listen, and there's you know, and the position that we were in in the conference was an awkward position where you know I couldn't always see the speaker, but when he was up there, I didn't need to see a speaker. Yeah, yeah. You know, the the room was great, sounded great. There was uh, lots of screens all the way around for the the powerpoints and things. But he has a way of communicating that's really important when you're educating. Yeah. Uh, but more important than educating, he's more of a I don't want to say storyteller as in fisherman storyteller, but he's got a way of kind of just laying it out there to where it's like, oh, I'm totally getting everything you're saying. Maybe a sp- spokesman, maybe? I don't, I'm not yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I really appreciated uh, his approach. And, and I, 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 it goes back to, uh, you know, we're here, you know, again tonight with, with Tracy Scott, uh, who we just met and we've got to learn a little bit how he keeps bees and dan keeps bees different from me and me different from jimbo and sometimes it's just flat out contrary to each other but we all have a dynamic to where that's totally cool and we appreciate all those little nuances and again i know we've already said it earlier but i i saw that again with uh the speakers today is there's all these little differences on on how they treat if they treat what they use to uh, monitor and things and kent williams was another example of he just does things different than everybody else and he he's fine with that they're fine with that it works that's what's important well with all the experience that bob benny has the fact that he picked something up in today's discussion that can't mentioned yeah was that that said it all i mean you're never you you're never done learning and even even bob with his experience learn something about what was the starting the cells out or the two-day builders or yeah kent was talking about uh he was having some issues with uh when he's making his queen cells uh after x amount of days after they're capped they uh, a vast majority were at, at, at a certain point uh in his beekeeping career were starting to get torn down uh and then so he had heard somewhere about uh introducing a uh two-day-old cell instead and then by doing that, they would draw every single one of them out, uh, and then carry them carry them on um, without needing a finisher. So he would he would go ahead and get his grafts going, get uh, and then kind of get them into a starter. Once they were two days old, he could take that cell, put it into a split. The split would then carry that on, and then had a really high take rate. 
So is that what Bob was saying was the cost savings that he was saying that he didn't need right. a finisher? It didn't just need, didn't need split a split and put right. it in and be done. Yeah. Didn't need a starter, didn't need a finisher, nothing. He just the split uh, was the finisher. He still needed the, he still was using the, the the starter and such, but it reduced, you know, you have the, the amount of time you could run the amount it, of run time. through well through and also uh, you could you could almost argue either way on um, the savings in bees. Um, not having to have a separate setup just to finish. You know, because I think Bob was saying he goes with a queen right finisher. And I think that Cayman say he goes with a queen less. There's a lot of folks do is with a queen less. Yeah. Um, and then just kind of always recharging that with brood. Um, and so, yeah, it was. I always like the um, little intricate nuances, the different. I, I'm really interested in the differences in outfits and why. If if you were to just hear Kent Williams and all you heard was if if he was the type of person that said, oh, I don't do it like that. The only thing you need to do is a two-day-old queen cell. And you try to do that. Well, where's the context to that? But because he said, well, I was having problems with the full cap cells being torn down. So this is what I tried and it worked. And then because it worked now, if I need to, I have this tool I can use and I don't need... Uh, to take it from the garage uh, to the wood shop to the workshop to make it work, it just goes from here to there, and boom! It's, it's so I thought that was kind of neat uh, that they're so uh, transparent. I think you mentioned earlier there. I think that's pretty. I just I I like I like that. You know that. I think I resonated with Kent Williams with his uh, swarming talk today. Yeah, you know because I had experience with that earlier this year. Um, you know, I had a, I had a, a hive swarm and go up in the tree, and you know we were able you know able to catch it and bring it down, put it in another box, and half maybe handful of I don't want to say handful of weeks maybe a few weeks later, swarm is gone again, hive's gone again, and you know he Ken's talking about like. He sees a swarm and he feels like you know he he was meant he was put here on this earth to go save that swarm. He he was here to save them, you know. And, he, and he's you know and he, and he started talking about like you know even when you can think you know you catch them when you when you when you think you're catching them at the right moment they're still fixing the swarm. Yeah, I think we've probably all seen that in one form or the other. Sometimes, no matter what you do. Those rascals have that tendency of just doing nothing but leaving a box and leaving a box and leaving a box, no matter mm-hmm. what you do. Yep. Yeah, this year was very swarmy. For yeah, it me was. and everybody else. Yep. Oh, yeah. I, I've, I don't know how many swarms I picked up. People call. But the year before, I couldn't buy a swarm from anybody. Nobody could. I couldn't find one. I caught like three or four, and within line of sight of our farm, I was turning down swarms. You know what they say about swarms this year? It was kind of like voting. It was early and more than once. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Wow. Now we're taking the show there. Uh, it's getting Greg's late. political beliefs do not reflect everybody on the show. <laughs> Just putting it out there. Uh, I've had a lot of fun, though. Um been able to spend time with, with all you guys, meeting meeting a lot of new folks. Uh, we've got to ran in a lot of folks who listen to the show. Check out the YouTube channel. Um, there's some folks that have heard me on the B chat. 
it's fun to see people face to face. And it, I think the more of this whole COVID thing continues, the, the, the hungrier everyone's getting uh, for the interaction. Yeah, it was fun watching people like come up to you. Like they knew who you were. Like I joke with you that hey, you know, you're a YouTube sensation around this place. But like you, you, you generally know people in this community, and they know of you. It and is even if you don't know them directly. Like they know yeah. your face. It is Greg Burns and team. Full <laughs> <laughs> inadequate. I don't have a following. Well, <laughs> it's okay. I don't either, and I'm on a radio show. We're just a team. <laughs> Well, we are a team, and I think that's what makes uh, you know all this fun. No, no, Jim and I are the team. We're You're the Greg team. Burns. Oh, that's what Mal- that's yeah. what our new friend Malcolm says. Yep, Malcolm's hilarious. Malcolm, if he's listening to this, that dude has some has some stories. I think he was a highlight of my weekend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that old boy! What do we say if someone asks us about the clocking? Ask Malcolm. Just link to his Facebook. <laughs> there's there are so many i mean great uh folks that i almost feel uh i almost feel wrong that i can't name them all out by name primarily because my brain's mush and we're having a hard time well, i know if the we i know together. if we tried to name them all right now we'd be missing one at least at least yeah but um it's i think that's um you know but, but not not to get uh you know too uh touchy-feely <laughs> But you know it is a team effort with the podcast and the things that we do. And we you know came on the trip together and uh, you know came to a place to all learn together. And we're all yeah. taking different things away that um, we talked about earlier. You know you have that initial feedback that you're getting from that education. So like right now our minds are stuck on something that was like oh that spoke, and then you know uh, we might wake up thinking about a, a certain thing and yep. oh that's going to connect. We might forget about those all together because now we're thinking about something else. You know, then we'll get home, and then we'll start to put the conference on the back burner, um, and then all of a sudden, something else will jar that, or Dan will call, or yep. Jimbo will call, and we'll say, "Hey, Jimbo, it's a, uh, you know." So that's I think it's uh, it's it's fun to come down with good friends. It's it's fun to make new friends. It's fun to uh, make make that face to face from friends that you have socially. Yeah. Um, but I'm I I think. Uh, you know, I, I think this might be an, an unattended consequence. You know, again, we're very grateful and thankful uh, that uh, Cayman and Laurel put this whole thing together and did it so well. Really appreciate all the speakers that took time away from their families, uh, away from their businesses, uh, and what no one can really argue is, you know, some some definitely some controversial and difficult times to uh, to give uh, and and to to be there. Um, to help help us all with with our own journeys, as Cayman said, it took a lot of guts for all of us to be there. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think that um, you know, so definitely uh, a big big high fives to all them. Well, air high fives, I guess, to them. You're right. Yeah, and if Cayman, if you're hearing this, uh, if you had other people behind the scenes pulling the strings and doing the magic, be sure you thank them for oh, yeah. Yeah. us as well. Uh, yeah, I'm sure he had his own team. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure he does. Oh yeah, I, you know they they might have a they have a certain. I, I can't speak uh, for the Reynolds family or the, any of the speakers on what their intentions were um, for the conference, but what one of the um, unintended consequences when you have a B conference this time of year is it really puts a fire under your ass. At least it has mine to really 
start dialing up some things, tuning up some things, really putting much more serious thought onto where I'm spending my time, how I'm spending my time, what it is that I'm actually doing, when I'm doing it, uh, because I'm, it's it's very inspiring and it's 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 very contagious. So I'm a little nervous that uh, generally that B trip every year is that thing that lights that fire in my ass that gets me excited, this and that. Now I got this, and then a B trip coming up. Oh my gosh, that's gonna be a real big fire. So you're gonna be on fire this whole winter. Yeah. Not going to lie, I've already ordered a book that was talked about in the presentation, too. Was that the uh, was CC? Which one? Which book was it? I got the uh, Brother Adam, Keeping Bees at Buckfest. I thought oh, about yeah. getting that book. Nice. Yeah. You want to borrow it? I'm right down the road. Yeah, you are. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll I let did, you know when I'm done with it. <laughs> I didn't realize you knew how to read. There's a lot of pictures. Lot of pictures. Oh, good, good, good. And I got colored pencils, too. I thought you eat crayons. That's why I have colored pencils. Uh-huh. Oh, he knows his own limitations. Right? Yeah. So I, I think that to be uh, this, there, there's going to be a lot of um, stuff, a lot of takeaways way on down the road that we're going to be able to pick and pull from this. Um, but uh, I think it was an incredible opportunity. I'm, not, I'm looking forward to you know coming back again next year. Yeah. And uh, definitely looking forward to having uh, Bob Benny and Kent Williams, Cayman Reynolds. Um, getting them all on the podcast. Maybe we can talk Ian Stepler to get on the podcast and sharing a little bit too. That'd be awesome. Does the internet work from Canada to the Americas? Apparently it did because he showed up today on the internet. I'm surprised since the border's closed. Maybe that's what the t- Tim Hortons does. Is it, It's like a conduit for electricity. That super sweet, awesome coffee. You really like, you really like their I coffee? I do like Timmy's one? coffee. Yeah, it's not, it's not. We got a Timmy's right at the end of our road that... Drops us right into Marysville, and when they're open, they have those one things that are kind of dangerous. To where if you play if you play the game like I do, where it's like it's totally fine. I'll get the twenty pack, take them home, eat the cake ones because they're less sweet. It's like a diet donut. Then you can have the real sweet one, kind of piggyback. Oh, really? This is a brand new concept. I've never heard of it before. Elaborate. I spent a lot of time. This uh, is like deja vu right now. Thinking about this. Here's the kicker. I see. I didn't share this before. Here's the thing, though. It's all fun and games until you get one of those. Um, well, they used to have one called a butter caramel. Um, they're not frappes. What do you call them things from Tim Hortons where it's like the frozen coffee drink? Uh, it's like a frappuccino. Mocha. What do the Canadians call it, though? I don't know. I'm not Canadian. Frappuccino-A. <laughs> That's it. The cappuccino-A. Wow. If you get one of those cappuccino-A things, the cold ones... And the donut ones. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Uh, How come we can't think of what those are? Oh my gosh. Um, the iced coffee type deals. It's like the frozen It's like a, not really a milkshake. It's not really coffee. It's yes. not iced coffee. Like a frozen frappuccino? It is, but there's a name that Tim Hortons has for those things. Um, not a, fr- a frappe? No, that's McDonald's. Tim Hortons, here's a who? Is it? Tim Hortons. Uh, this is, I know exactly. Ice cap. Ice cap. Ice caps, Yes. Yes, the ice cap. I feel like this is a perfect way to end the, the podcast on a ice cap. Are we getting ice caps? Okay. No. Uh, what I was trying to say can is we you, get the, Can we get those on the way out tomorrow? Is there a Timmy's nearby? I don't know. Is there? I think we might have to just do that and get Are a picture Are there Timmy's in Tennessee? We should Google Timmy's. 
It's only uh, fitting like we're at getting this ice point. caps in the morning. Well, it's getting late. We ought to probably get a little bit of shut eye and start heading back to Ohio. Do you guys, you guys have any other? Uh, Tracy, it's been uh, great meeting you and having you on the podcast and learning more about you. Uh, I think we mentioned uh, yesterday folks can uh, reach out to you, Tracy Scott, on Facebook and find you at all the farmer's markets and things like that. Anything else you want to add here before we wrap her up? I just want to thank you three for, you know, bringing me in and having me at the table yesterday and just how weird how things work out, you know. That's true. End up four yeah. guys from the, an hour from each other and yeah, end up doing a podcast, which I've never done. The so. world's a wild place. That's Sometimes right. I, I like haven't done one either. Sometimes yeah, you have to travel all, across country to find out it's a small world. Yeah. And we're all at different levels and doing something a little different, but I'm interested in seeing how you grow your business and how yours does and yours as well. You know, I, you know, it's, it, are you in the Facebook group now? Yeah. Okay. You know, I, and I think that's what I, I love the fact that we can sit here and we're all 100% wanting to root each other on and see each other do well. Uh, and, you know, keep in touch and, and see how everything progresses because I think that's the difference between, a successful beekeeper and one that's just trying to go that lone wolf route and be on their own because it's know, a long, I'm, it's that's lonely. how I started off and it's, and it's hard. What is a successful beekeeper to you? To me, regardless if, of what level or what they're focusing on, what is a successful someone beekeeper? that has bees in the spring? Yeah. And I don't mean, I mean, well, that's there's, there's, well. It's I mean, hard. I can buy I can yeah. buy bees every spring. Does that make me successful? What makes it successful maybe, maybe for the, me is can, go ahead is is when I continue to perform this art of building this relationship uh, with the bees to try to better understand how we and the bees and the trees kind of all fit together and do that in a way to where naturally on its own the consequence of engaging in that art is joy and happiness for me that's what it means to be successful as a beekeeper to me to me it's having a beekeeper be have the craft be self-sustaining be able to make your own splits make your own queens at some level even if i've said before i've not raised more than a few queens at a time yeah but it's enough to keep my hives going at a time yeah you know I guess self self sustaining is what I would, you know, say someone's gotten to a level of that's definitely success financially successful if if you're um yeah if you have a financially sustainable enterprise for sure. Dan, working folks stay in tune with all things Dan. Uh, Red Dog Ranch on Facebook. On the Facebooks, you can check out Dan's progress with the barn build and all that delicious honey that you'll have for sale. Yep, I'm also in the Facebook group, the Contrary Beekeeper Show, along with Greg James and our new friend Stacy. Who? Tracy. <laughs> Is this a Freudism? Yeah, that was a Freudian slip. Jimbo, That's... where can folks find out all things Jimbo? They really want to dive deep. They really want to dive deep. They can find me on the Book of Face uh, under James Blask. Uh, I go by my given name. 
And I'm also in the Contrary Beekeepers group as well. So find me there. If somebody so happens to want to look up the leader of all this, where do we find you, Greg? I think we find him on Parlor, right? This is making me feel very uncomfortable. (laughs) This is Greg Burns and crew. Team. Team, team, team. Well, if you're listening to this and you are interested in packages, nukes, or queens, uh, bucket feeder plugs for your bucket feeders, you can find us at naturesimagefarm.com. We're taking orders. Uh, and we'll be happy to uh, help you along your journey to maybe help you find whatever it is that you're looking for uh, to find success in your BR. Until next time, be real. Be the change. May the force be with you. It's a small world after all. It's a small world after all. No, I'm not on the one singing it. You are. You guys don't even know the song. I do know the song. I rode the ride. But did you ride the ride with your hands up like it's a roller coaster, only to find out it doesn't go downhill? And you're floating in water with a little robot puppet singing to you. It truly is a small road after all, Dan. It is. That'll work. (laughs) How about that?